Grand Canyon University, a Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering over 250 engaging programs online. Praised for its culture of community, students engage with faculty and connect with counselors who take a personalized approach for your success. GCU's online students received over $144 million in scholarships in 2021. Visit gcu.edu myoffer to see the scholarships you qualify for. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. podcast looking at the good, the bad and the frankly absurd of movies either starring by or about pop stars. No, the podcast covers such a broad range of musical and cinematic genres from country to hip-hop, from documentaries to science fiction. My name's Graham Williamson, I'm a film critic for The Geek Show and Horrified.com and this week I've been joined by... Yeah, uh, I'm Rob, also known as Prob. Uh, I am uh, one of the... uh people behind the geek show as in like way 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 behind uh <laughs> i have been on the geek show since its inception uh and you can also find me on things like four panel and keyframe and impossible mission which is our video game uh, video series uh that i do with the other rob on youtube <laughs> along with a lot of other video game stuff like uh, monthly games marmalade which excellent I just love saying welcome to Marmalade. Yes. <laughs> it appeals to the Paddington bear in you. Uh, well, uh, there's the thing where they have like a monthly games jam where you have all the game developers get together and like make games or talk about games and stuff like that. And I thought, why jam? Why not Marmalade? Yes. Well, listeners, put yourself into the future. The far future of 2009, November 23rd, the 46th anniversary of Doctor Who. Using body-swapping technology, the super-rich have worked out a way to jack your body. Jack, jack, jack your body. (laughs) I was waiting for that. (laughs) But the bodies of 2009 are so lousy with environmental pollution and cheap drugs, a detail that, to be fair, they did get right that they must go back in time to get the healthy young body of Emilio Estevez. And masterminding this operation, why, of course, Mick Jagger. It's Free Jack, a film that finally gets its audience to ask the question, why, what did Jack do? (laughs) I I have to be honest, with Free Jack, I watched it when it first came out. On cinemas? uh, Not on cinemas, I watched it on video, thankfully. (laughs) I didn't pay for the cinema at that point. I was too young. <laughs> I, I now, you, now you mention it, I have remembered this did go straight to video in the UK. So, yes, <laughs> that was a dumb question it was, of me. It was, it was, it made me question a lot of things when I first watched it. Uh, number one was sanity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number two was Mick Jagger, as in, why, why, Mick, why, why do this to yourself? Yes, because there, I mean, any picture you might have in your head, listeners, of the most incongruous pop star performance cannot match up to how little Mick Jagger fits in in Free Jack. See, this is, right, Free Jack came out around the same time, if I remember rightly, as, uh, what was it, uh, was it David Bowie and Mick Jagger dancing in the streets? It was a bit later than that. That was. It like, was a bit later than that, yeah. but you know, not too much later than that, no. if I recall. Mm. And that was still kind of fresh in my memory when <laughs> I watched Free Jack. So I honestly couldn't take Free Jack seriously. And yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to say, Graham. There is a lot to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
we should maybe explain who who made this first. It's adapted from Immortality Incorporated by Robert Sheckley. Uh, he also wrote a film that both other Rob and I really love, The Tenth Victim, which is adapted from his book, The Seventh Victim. That's inflation for you. <laughs> You've been waiting for that joke. There are so many opportunities to tell 10th victim themed jokes. <laughs> oh, I, I forgot. One of the other things that Graham and I do is literary loitering, so I'm used to his level uh, to his level of humour, which yeah. is you know, kind of highbrow and well-read, but also really, really childish at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> really dumb puns about really obscure things. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, some things, of course, you don't have to make humorous, like the opening of Wikipedia's article about Jeff Murphy, the director of this film. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Murphy is a director, writer, assistant director, special effects artist, school teacher, and trumpet player. See, I, I, I have a look at things like that, and when they start listing the different things, I'm just like, someone's trying to overcompensate for something. <laughs> yes. What what failure have you had in your life? I have to admit, I could find very little evidence of his trumpet playing expertise in Free Jack. <laughs> no, uh, no, it, it, it's there, it's there. Uh, it's it's very well hidden, probably along with the along with the James Brown references that are very well hidden. The James Brown references. Oh, do you not know about this? No. Oh. Uh, right. You know the Wilhelm scream, or whatever you call it? Right? Yeah, yeah. It's very famous in cinema. Did you know the James Brown scream is very famous in Freejack? <laughs> you know the, you know the one from I Feel Good? You know, at the beginning? Wow! I feel yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. There are moments in Freejack, and I first, <laughs> I didn't notice this until, until I watched it just recently for this, uh, for this, uh, episode that we're doing now. Mm. And there's a bit in the chase scene where he go where he forces the uh the dune buggy to go onto the pavement. Yeah. Right. And a guy jumps out the way and all you hear is Wow like, <laughs> That sounds I, I, I literally I paused the video there, I went, That sounds familiar. Where have I heard that scream? And then it took me about half an hour just thinking about it. Why do I know that scream? And it's because Mick Jagger produced Get On Up, the James Brown biopic starring the late <laughs> Chadwick Boseman. Do you think he did that to like balance out James Brown's cinematic legacy after tarnishing it with Free Jack? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, wasn't James Brown still alive at the time of Free Jack? He was, yes. Yeah. Do you think he knows that his scream was in Free Jack? <laughs> Are the royalties to be paid? Yeah, the royalties he would definitely be interested in. I think over the years, James Brown has probably been involved in a lot of things that he could not remember by the end of his life, and maybe this is one of them. Oh, just I I can just imagine the scene in a recording studio somewhere with uh, Mick Jagger and Neil Estevez and just going, no, James, we just need you to scream. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> just the one scream, that's it. Don't worry about everything else. They, they got a whole live funk album just for that one <laughs> scream. Because uh... the, from, the, from the start of it, it starts off with, like... <laughs> Opening credits that start off scrambled and then unscramble themselves while the soundtrack makes sort of noise, which is how you can tell this is made at a time when computers were still a wild novelty. Oh, yeah. I mean, this... uh, Free Jack was one of those ones that tried to kind of catapult off the popularity of uh, movies like Blade Runner and Mm. the rest... And it tried to market itself as... Because uh, I remember the TV adverts for this. Right. I remember the TV adverts, the trailers for this that came on TV. And, oh, oh. Were they so, really uh, pushing the cyberpunk thing? 
They 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 were really pushing the sci-fi cyberpunk thing, really pushing it hard. And you know, when you look at the trailers, you think, you know, this actually looks interesting. It's Emilio mm. Estevez. He's not too bad. He was in Young Guns and Young Guns. Uh, I can't remember. Was Young Guns two out before then Young or Guns after? Young Guns two, which was also directed by Jeff Murphy. Uh, was that out after Free Jack or before? I think Murphy did two Hollywood sequels. He did Young Guns 2 before Free Jack and Under Siege 2 after Free Jack. Um, yeah, because uh, there that's was how Young I, Guns... That's how I divide time up, by the way. It's not BC and AD anymore. Everything is just before <laughs> Free Jack and after Free Jack. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I would I would go with that. See, there was that, and there was another movie, another Emilio Estevez movie that I watched, which was around the same time as Free Jack, and I can never remember whether it was before or after. It was one he did with his brother Charlie Sheen. Was that Men Men at at Work? Men at Work, which Mm. I have a really big soft spot for Men at Work. I I, I really like that film. It's one of my guilty pleasures, along with George of the Jungle and things like that, because it's a stupid film. See, my main association with Emilio Estevez is that he was in one of my all-time favourite films, which is Repo Man. Yeah. And I was that that was like about sort of nine, eight years before Free Jack, and I'm looking at him at the start of this where he plays Alex, this kind of hotshot car racer. And he's still this little punk brass, really, isn't he? He's still Otto from Repo Man. He is kind of. Um, I've just checked. Man at Work was out before Free Jack, which is why I kind of remember the two of them together. BF, but then, not AF. yeah, yeah. But then again, not not long after Free Jack, he went and did the Mighty Ducks. Oh yeah, and everyone not, forgets he's the coach from Mighty Ducks. Not long after Free Jack, he did yeah. Judgment Night, which is exactly. a, a really grim film. Yeah. Mm. So it's quite an odd career spot he was in. He was still, you know, hot. He still had enough heat on his career to open a big movie. But maybe you can sense a bit of casting around, trying to work out who he is, because Free Jack, The Mighty Ducks, Judgment Night and Men at Work are not movies that have much in common. Um. Yeah, you that's that's kind of an understatement when you put them all together, isn't it? Yeah. You just go, hmm, one of these is not like the none of these is like the other. Yes. <laughs> so in Free Jack, he's in this thing which must have seemed like a dead cert at the time, because it's got uh like I say, he's reteaming with Murphy after Young Guns 2. It's got Ronald Schubert on board as producer and co-writer, and Schubert is a big name in Hollywood science fiction of this era. He wrote an early he, draft of Alien. He co- he kind of co-wrote it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he um, also he 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 was the one person in Hollywood who seemed to watch Blade Runner and think, you know what, this Philip K. Dick fella his stories might make some more good movies, and he optioned tons of them. So he has co-producer credits on Total Recall, on Minority yeah. Reports, loads of different things. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I remember his name from Total Recall as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's but, very involved in that. Yeah. Um, I think in amongst all of that, Free Jack is kind of... Uh, <laughs> it stands out. Because <laughs> let's let's... For me, the point in which it starts going wrong is when it starts cross-cutting between the fast, the past and the future. And you've got Emilio Estevez as this dull racing driver dude, going through this dull racing driver dude life. And then you've got these really pompously scored cutaways to Mick Jagger in Trucks of the Future. <laughs> And armoured vehicles of the future. And dune buggies of the future. (laughs) I mean, uh, if I say dune buggy, I have to go afterwards. It's such a weird (laughs) array of vehicles, though. It's like, this is a decade after Blade Runner, and that message that the future would not be full of crazy clothes has not filtered through yet. Do you know what I realised about the vehicles in... Mm. in I was going to say Blade Runner, not Blade Runner, Free Jack. 
what I realized about kind of the the aesthetic of Free Jack was that they were trying to go for a post-apocalyptic thing without being post-apocalyptic, and they'd spent too much time watching movies like Mad Max and looking at the vehicles in Mad Max thinking, yeah, we need those type of vehicles, but we need them to be more urban. Yeah. and that, <laughs> Less that's, spiky. That is kind of where the problem lands, because there, there are mm. some cool things that happen in Free Jack. It costs a lot of money. It looks gorgeous. Yeah. But... <laughs> well, it does. It's well shot. The design of aesthetic of it's on point. It's got that good kind of pre-CGI, chunky, real tech. I like that stuff. I okay. I will. I, I, I will agree with you there. It also has some really, really, really awful green screen effects. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like every scene with Anthony Hopkins in, for example. Oh man, the scenes with Anthony Hopkins in are just like lawnmower man levels of someone going, Have you seen this stuff? You can yeah. morph from one force to another. It's crazy. You know, I mean, in some bits, I swear, it was like it was like I was watching a weird kind of um, mashup of Max Headroom and Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Hopkins in the gritty reboot of Max Headroom. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, Free Jack just brought back all sorts of bad memories about Free Jack, specifically <laughs> about Free Jack. I thought you were going to say, like, of the 90s or <laughs> of that era of Hollywood cinema, but no, Free Jack can only be referenced <laughs> by reference to Free Jack. Yeah, it, it holds a special place in my heart. As one of the movies that actually gave me nightmares about Mick Jagger and Mick Jagger's evil twin. Because <laughs> to, to my mind, Mick Jagger in this is like a, a more ridiculous Mick Jagger impersonation than Phil Cornwall on Stellar Street. Like every oh, time he comes on screen, it's like, hey, when are we going to kill Amelia Westerbeck's cage? <laughs> Yes. I mean, if you've ever watched any interview ever with Mick Jagger, right, mm. You'll and then you watch Free Jack, <laughs> you know just how much strain he's under and how many lines he's done before he says his lines. Mm. <laughs> yes. Because there's nowhere, nowhere Mick Jagger, when he's nice and cool and relaxed, he's all like, all floppy-like, you know. As he normally is, there's no way Mick Jagger is saying those lines like that unless he is like, <laughs> or someone's got him by the back of the neck. He's playing a fascist bounty hunter from a dystopian future, and he sounds like he's about to break into faraway eyes at any moment. <laughs> oh, uh, um, and yeah, uh, and his evil twin was in the movie as well. His evil twin. Yeah, Mick Jagger's evil twin. Have you not noticed how the two of them resemble each other? Their their faces kind of merge into one in my brain. You know, what's his face who played Amelia Estevez's uh, agent? Oh, uh, the... yeah. Um, David Johansson from the New York Dolls. Yeah. But, you know, when you see him at the beginning of the film, okay, fine, you don't see it. But then when you see him later on in the film, in the future, when he's got the dark hair and everything, and then you stand, you put his face next to Mick Jagger's, you're like, no, 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 don't merge. <laughs> that was a really nice trait for me, because I did not know David Johansson was going to be in this film. And I think it, it casts into belief how rubbish Mick Jagger's performance is, because David Johansson is a really weird-looking guy who is also giving a dialed up to 22 performance but it kind of I mean, works. The thing is, he would have been so much better because I know uh, I know him from other stuff, and I've seen him in other stuff, and he's Scrooge. actually quite good. He was in Scrooge. Yeah, famously. exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think that he would have been much better as the uh, dystopian bounty hunter than Mick Jagger. Yeah. He wouldn't. Have, he wouldn't have needed lines to deliver his lines. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yes. Lo, <laughs> I he probably wouldn't have turned him down, but. <laughs> Yeah, that was really weird. Um, 
having like two rock stars in, which I did not expect at all. The other really weird performance in it, and it's so weird that I wondered if she was trying to like draw attention away from Mick Jagger as a favour, but <laughs> Amanda Plummer. Oh, I thought you were gonna go with Rene Russo, but yeah, Rene okay. Russo is just—I mean, she's fine. She's in a dull role. The most interesting thing about Rene Russo's role is that you see her character in like the nineteen nineties, and you see her character in two thousand nine. She looks no different, which again is true to life. Rene Russo does not yeah. age, but I—I um, I thought it was interesting when. Sorry, uh, sorry, I jump on you there. Yeah, no, I thought fine. it was interesting right at the when he when. When Alex Furlong, because that's like <laughs> when Alex Furlong, because I mean I can't get over the name Alex Furlong, and then on the trailer they did it in like you know the uh, trail the voiceover man Alex voice. Furlong. Alex Furlong, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, I remember the trailer was like some long lines of Alex Furlong is going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that whole bit where he has the really bizarre accident and somehow yeah. goes flying over all the other cars into a bridge. Yes. How the physics of that happened, I'm not sure. But then at that point, the camera focuses a little bit on Rene Russo mm. with the scream and the oh, whatever it is. I think, I think it's doing that, or am I getting confused with the flashback thing? Might be the flashback thing. But there's a whole bit where she screams and... At some at that point, my brain goes to get shorty, yeah, and the whole bit where she's like a former scream queen, <laughs> yeah, she must have been tapping into this for that get shorty role. So, for the entirety of Free Jack, my brain was literally going out and borrowing references from somewhere else, from other movies I'd seen. I think this legitimately could have been one of the films they were working on in Get Shorty. <laughs> oh god Danny DeVito as the bounty as the dystopian bounty hunter <laughs> yes in, already we've improved it so much I, w- I would pay good money for that he'd be right up there with uh, Joe Pesci as the bad guy from Moonwalker <laughs> yeah yeah I mean you say you'd pay good money to watch that but you paid good money to watch this for some reason <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> thankfully, I was a kid, so it wasn't my money. <laughs> my brother was the one who rented it. <laughs> so he's in that car accident, and they use Rich Anthony Hopkins gets them to steal his body from like a second before he dies, and because he is stuck in something called the spiritual switchboard. Yeah, which they never really explain. <laughs> no, because they I mean, can't. There's there's a lot of stuff that they don't explain in this film, which I'm kind of glad about. <laughs> yeah. Because I, yeah. Think, I think knowing about it would ruin the magic. <laughs> Man, the magic. I can't say that. I'm sorry, I can't say that with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> so he's pulled into the future so that Anthony Hopkins can steal his body. And the people who do this operation are called Bone Jackers. Yeah, for some reason. Pretty unfortunate. I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that happens. And there's this amazing bit where Emilio Estevez comes around from his accident and he's in the back of this truck with a gang of surgeons who look like they're dressed up for to dissect the Roswell alien. And one of them says, oh, shit, he's coming round. Get the lobotomizer. Just think, <laughs> given the way Emilio Estevez has been acting already, the lobotomizer is surplus to requirements. See, I, I just, that, that entire sequence of events, that entire sequence of events... For one, all that foil just reminded me of, you know those foil bags of popcorn? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I was just sitting there thinking, I'm peckish. I fancy some popcorn <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Why do I want popcorn? 
and just the lobotomizer was just oh, <laughs> I mean, uh, they do like their crackly electric arc things, don't they? This is a very yeah. It's like they've got a free package of editing software that has that electricity effect, and they just thought that is gold. Let's get the most out of this. Do you think? I mean, if do you think this was like one of those movies that were that was made on what at the time was like really advanced editing software, but now would be like Microsoft Movie Maker? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean that. I keep coming back to it, but that scene with Anthony Hopkins at the end, man, <laughs> just needs a couple of star wipes. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. man. And that's what doing literary loitering with prop has prepared me for. Yes, I have, like, the most childish sense of humour. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, uh, what was it? Uh, we were doing four panel one time, and one this this will always remain with me until the day I die. Um, mm. We're going through a list of uh, the members of X Force, a mutant team, and Andrew got to Shatterstar, and I said, <laughs> "He did a what?" <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think, I just said, he did a what? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is one of the all-time Americans should have run this past some British people names, isn't it? (laughs) Exactly. But anyway, back to uh, Free Jack. Back to Free Jack. Yeah. Do you think do you think they would have called them bone jackers if they uh if they knew if they knew then what we know now? Maybe, yeah. It was still a good few years before the the lexicon of pornography was popularized by Louis Theroux. <laughs> exactly. And uh before phone jacker and face jacker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's unfortunate. But he, he gets into the future and he escapes from these people who have the lobotomizer. <laughs> and, and from then on, it's kind of... A lot of it is a sort of scumbag-to-scumbag picaresque. Oh, yeah. Where he, he the... just sort of meets various scumbags. And one of them, as I say, is Amanda Plummer doing this really bizarre, affected performance. It's like... Two years before she did Pulp Fiction, but spiritually, it's a lifetime before she did Pulp Fiction. <laughs> oh, yes. One of them's David Johansson, who, like like Rene Russo, has not aged a day since the 90s. And I can buy that with Rene Russo, but I cannot buy that with David Johansson at all. Oh, no, um, you can tell he's aged because his clothes are scruffier and he's wearing a vest instead of a suit <laughs> and his hair is scruffier. And he's unshaven. That's how you know he's older. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's just like nobody physically gets older. They just lose control of their personal grooming habits. So me, basically. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess it, it does kind of fit, really, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> am I am I following that uh, early 90s method of getting older, then? <laughs> <laughs> just letting your stubble grow out and like putting on a duffel coat. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. Um, the irony is, this is close to a duffel coat. It's a duffel hoodie. Not far away. Not far away. Yeah. You you could I... be in the terrifying future of 2009. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> what do you think this film wants us to take away from its future? What, what do you, kind of dystopia are we in here? Well, I remember the premiere of this was on the news. Mm. Right? Because of the weird cars, the celebrities uh, that went to the premiere. The, I mean, Little Richard, for example, and uh, David <laughs> Bowie and various others. And some of them took away from it that uh, we're losing the ozone layer. That's a bad thing. We need to repair it, you know. Mm-hmm. CFCs are bad. Maybe change things. Climate change, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Fine. Some yeah. of the people didn't quite get what the film was about. Like Little Richard. <laughs> I'm just imagining little Richard watching Free Jack and it's capsizing my brain. I can't do it at all. Um, see, 
I think that the whole message about the ozone layer disappearing, which at the time was a very real thing. Um, yeah. I know that it's kind of been, it's kind of downplayed in favour of the whole uh, bigger argument about climate change. Now, well, the, the ozone hole is repairing. That CFC yeah. ban did actually do some good, so yeah. Exactly. Um, but uh, at the time, it was a very, very big thing. Mm. And so... I mean, it's like uh, it's like now with the pandemic, and then you have Michael Bay making Songbird about COVID twenty three, which is a little too on the nose for me. Tell you what, I was fucking glad that didn't have a pop star in, so I can go on ignoring it. <laughs> I mean, when I saw the trailer for Songbird, I went, "That's a bit distasteful, actually. You you're making a film to make money off a current global pandemic." It's like that. There is a very short list of people you would trust with that, isn't there? And and Michael Bay is not really on that list. Well, I don't care how prehensile his penis is. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's that's a robot chicken reference. <laughs> oh, oh, good, because it did not make sense. <laughs> There's a sketch in Robot Chicken that they did about Michael Bay, where they they have a bunch of uh, executives. Who were going? Who were basically got all these projects that they want him to work on, and he stood there with his arms like that. But the pages are turning because. Was was this sketch really adapt, recently adapted into a Danish children's show by any chance? I don't know. Have you seen that Danish children's show? About I the, haven't. I there haven't. is a, a Danish children's show about a little cartoon character who has to struggle with the world's longest penis, and it just sort of, it, it it's like massively long. It's about sort of six times the length of his whole body, but you know when he uses it right, he can save the village or something like that. <laughs> you, you asking for a time out here? <laughs> Listeners, Rob is banging his head against the wall if you're listening to the podcast version of this. Sorry, I just had to stop for a moment the there. Valid response to the Danish children's show about a giant penis uh, portion of, oh. the, of the show. <laughs> do I laugh or do I cry? I don't know. <laughs> I have no. What's going on? What we do? Where? 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 Back to Free Jack. Free Jack. Sanity Please. is Free Jack. Yeah. What? At no point when we started this did I think that sanity would be Free Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> how did we get on to that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember now. <laughs> yeah, I'm completely lost as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so, uh, Alex Furlong. Alex Furlong. Alex Furlong. <laughs> we, He's on the run. He's yeah. met, uh, what's her face? Uh, Amanda Plumber. Plumber. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then um, there's that scene with the eagle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the 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 motivational speech. Oh man, there are some remarkable soliloquies in this. Yes, that one that one sticks with you though. It really does. There's lots of little bits of background detail in this that I just found really charmingly crap. Um, like when. Alex for Alex Furlong first gets out into the streets of the future. Um, there's this scene where he's looking around and it's trying to establish that this world is completely debased. And there's a scene where it shows a porn theatre and it's like says adult <laughs> adult movies, and then the camera pans along a bit and it says in 3D. And it's like, oh my god. 3D porn films, that that's... Where has he landed? The 1970s? I thought you were going to talk about that big sign with the light bulbs. The the light, the big <laughs> breast-shaped sign with the light bulbs in the nipples. Yeah, that's pretty extraordinary too, but I just... I mean, 
because <laughs> we, we talked about Total Recall earlier, and when Total yeah. Recall wants to do sleaze, it's a Paul Verhoeven movie, it can do that. But yeah. when when you were trying to sell me on a completely depraved, decadent future, you're going to have to try a bit harder than 3D porn. Just a, <laughs> just a little bit. I mean, <laughs> what you've got to remember, folks, right, is mm. at the time, in the 90s, the whole idea of 3D was very much in its infancy. No, it right? wasn't. No, it was yes, complete, it was. It was dead and buried. 3D films were made in the 1950s. Yeah, what, what I'm saying is, when I say infancy, I mean com- uh, I mean by modern standards. Well, there, was guess, a, there was but... a little bit of a resurgence, but we were very much, at that point, still kind of in the red and green lenses days of 3D. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, technologically, it was much less advanced, but there had been two cycles of 3D Hollywood movies in the 50s and the 80s, and they both fizzled yep. out. So if it, yeah. I, I think what they were meaning to imply was its virtual reality, but they didn't yeah. know what virtual reality was, so they just put 3D. Which is, do you know the bizarre thing? is They're saying they don't know what virtual reality was, but virtual reality had already started eking in because it was only two years after Free Jack came out that I was at university, right? right? And I was sitting in a virtual re- a VR flight simulator in the Trocadero in London. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember it, that everyone was talking about VR in the like very early 90s. And yes. I was only young. If I can remember it, I think people who were actually trying to make a science fiction movie should probably have it in their head a bit. Either that or make it up, you know? Yeah! That's, it's science fiction. Just just use your imagination. Well, a few years after this, you've got Strange Days by Catherine Bigelow, which is A, the best Catherine Bigelow movie. Nobody come at me with this. You know I'm right. No, and- I agree with you. Good. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I, I think Strange Strange Days is an amazing film. Masterpiece. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. love it. Uh, um, if you are talking about some imaginative future grot technology, that's the film to beat. Yeah. Exactly. I I totally agree with you, and I I think that uh, I I think that Strange Days. Ha- Why can't we talk about Strange Days? Why don't we talk about Free <laughs> Jack? <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, right. Um, but there's lasers. A, there's, there's a few films like that. There, there, there's few sort of uh, bits like that. Bits of like tiny background set detail that just struck me as so. Like obviously, if I'm watching a film that's made in 1991, 1992, whatever, I expect it to be dated. But you you would have thought people at the time would have realised this wasn't working. Like, they go to a future bar and all of these people with, like, genetically modified bits and weird tribal tattoos all over their body are listening to Jesus Jones. Yeah. People in... Yeah, because... They'd, they'd gone by, like, the time this was released. See, I'm... <laughs> This is where the imagination part comes in, right? Mm, yeah. They they didn't even think, oh, let's let's actually get some music specifically done for this film. Yeah. That kind of reflects the the ruined society, the ozone layer hole, the 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 oncoming apocalyptic setting without it being the apocalypse. Let's mm-hmm. get the June buggies ready. June buggies, woohoo! Um, <laughs> so why not just get a bunch of artists together and have them make the music for this. Yeah. And since we've got Mick Jagger, why not get Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones to do the theme tune for Free Jack instead of asking the Scorpions? (laughs) One of my favourite facts I found out about this is that the VHS had a Scorpions music video after the main film, and I just thought, have people not suffered enough? (sighs) (laughs) But yeah, it doesn't... I mean, the, the gold standard for doing something like that, I think, is Children of Men, which 
both has really weird like attempts to imagine a future music but also has loads of imaginative uses of current music like when children of men came out in the 2000s the fact that you've got people of michael kane and peter mullen's age listening to radiohead and the libertines does sell you on the idea that this is some distance into the future but there's nothing yeah. like that in here it's just like modern hits yeah and that's the bit where i in loads of other uh... Jean-Luc Besson does The Fifth Element, yeah? Mm. And he's got this uh, diva, Plava Laguna, whatever it is she's called. Yeah. And starts off doing opera and then goes into this weird kind of uh, dance opera thing. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> and I thought a bit chic, isn't it? A bit disco. Yeah, I, I thought that works. It, it, that That's totally fine. I'm down with that. And the yeah. rest of the music in The Fifth Element kind of fit. It was slightly urban, slightly, uh, you know... Uh, slightly techno, but it wasn't really one particular style of music. It was all just a mashup of different things. Yeah. But it fit kind of the futuristic sci-fi, grotty sci-fi type mm. setting, which was fine. And that's been applied to so many other films. I mean, Even Blade Runner had its own specific style of music. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I don't understand... There's a lot of problems with Free Jack, and a lot of it, I think, comes down to just they focused so much on wanting to have this setting mm. that they literally ignored everything else because they wanted this setting. We yeah. want a we want a story that's told in this particular setting. What's the story about? We don't mm. know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, and then just a group of people around the table going, you know, it'd be great if they swap bodies. Yeah. Well, it had serious production problems as well. Uh, Ronald Schusset, who we mentioned earlier, apparently reshot about 40% of this because, and this is very strange to me, uh, the studio objected to Jeff Murphy focusing too much on the action. And you think, Right, well, because if there's one thing this film has going for it, it's that the action sequences aren't bad, you know? Yeah. So I, why would you take that away? See, I, I I, I, really want to see the original version of Free Jack. Uh, I really want to see the original version because I think I think that... See, one of the problems that, that I had with Free Jack was, the, uh, aside from... Emilio Estevez and his really dodgy Arnold impression was oh God, just yeah. just all of the all of the attempts at making one-liners action movie one-liners and yeah they all failed and I can only put those down to the reshoots yeah we need more humor we need to make it lighter make it more lighthearted because. That always works in a dystopian sci-fi setting. Oh yeah, I, I go to you these know, movies for the lols. Can you can you imagine Mad Max? You know, he <laughs> <laughs> doesn't kill people; just has a good laugh with them. <laughs> and, and Estevez has actually confirmed that Shusitz was brought in to lighten the tone and add more humour. I assume he's also responsible for the fact that most of the second half of this is so boring. Yeah. It's yeah. indefensibly boring. Anything with Mick Jagger as a future assassin who gets paid in Fabergé eggs, much like Krusty the Clown, uh, should not be as dull as this. Also, crystals. Where the hell do you get a crystal that big that yeah. does a very specific thing, like swapping swapping the soul from one body to another? That's a, That's really specific. And where do you find a crystal that does that? And how do you test that the crystal does that in the first place? <laughs> because, again, it's a failure of world building, isn't it? It has all of these yeah. sort of cool-looking trucks and things, and it has all of these big smashy action sequences, but no thought has been given to the matter of what kind of society develops these trucks. Why are they necessary? You know, what happened when we dug up the soul-swapping crystal? Which I think would be a big moment in archaeological history. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, do you remember Johnny Mnemonic? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that whole contraption that they had in order to get the data out of Johnny's head? Dimly, yeah. It was like this real, it was like cables and wires all over the place and he was, you know, strapped in that chair, leaning back and had to kind of uh, kind of mine through his brain and stuff. Uh, but there was like a, this massive contraption that had that basically was just for one person. Mm. And I thought, why not just do that? Yeah, yeah. But you have to have this MacGuffin called a crystal because crystals are the in thing. Everybody oh. likes crystals. Oh, God, they were back in the early 90s, weren't they? People were obsessed with crystals. Anyone would oh. think you, the people of the early 90s had never seen crystal before. I remember um, there were there were adverts in, like, newspapers and uh, for crystals, healing crystals that could heal anything. They're, they're like, so does it work on things like cancer? Yes! yes! <laughs> These crystals, rub it on the area where you have the cancer and it'll cure it. Like, do I look like a fool? Do I look like a moron? How were they not sued out of existence? Yeah, absolutely bizarre. Because they were mainly sold in America. And (laughs) as you know, Americans really like things like that. Don't know why. Yeah, no, it's it's a kind of... It's the one thing that brings America together, isn't it? Like, virulently anti-science Republicans can like stuff like this and also sort of mushy liberal Oprah viewers can like stuff like this and it's, it's America's unifying bullshit, the bullshit that binds the nation together. Faith healers, I can yeah, dig the yeah. bullet out with my hands and you will be healed. <laughs> I mean, I can pull a bullet out with my hands, but the patient isn't going to be in great shape afterwards. Yeah, I was about to say that as well. <laughs> I mean, I might have fat fingers, but I'm sure I can dig a bullet out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would it would have them it would it would also make the hole bigger. <laughs> yeah. But you know, but... give me a couple of false starts and I can do it. <laughs> Practice makes perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was grim humour there, wasn't That's, it? Yeah, like whistling past the graveyard here. Um, we should we we should talk a bit about Jagger's sort of screen persona because it's like out of everything I've done for pop screen, this seems to be the film that. Pays the least attention to its star's pre-established persona. This is the one yeah. film that seems to think, "Oh yeah, we can just chuck Mick Jagger in here, and everyone will accept that." Well, no. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the 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 thing about Mick Jagger is that he's not a chameleon. He doesn't fit into every role. Mm. There are certain roles that are very Mick Jagger, and certain roles that. Really aren't. I mean, uh, his role in Free Jack as uh, wh- what was his name? Posdenic, Posednik, or whatever it was. Something like that. It's a kind of vaguely Czech-sounding name, isn't it? Oh, I can't remember his name. I'm, I'm going to have to look this up. Um, uh, Victor Vachendak. Vachendak. That's it. Yeah. But yeah, um, his role as Victor Vachendak uh, just. It's too straight a role for Mick Jagger to play. It's too much of a straight man. Mm. Uh, and that, that, you know, you see that in scenes like the car chase scene where you're getting Emilio Estevez with his with his dodgy one-liners and Mick Jagger's even lamer one-liners yes. during that. And you just think, this you're chasing him to catch him so that you can basically kill him in a really roundabout way. <laughs> <laughs> Mick Jagger, who in that car chase, keeps popping up on a sort of onboard computer in Emilio Estevez's vehicle. And every time he like shuts the top of the laptop that it's on, it just springs back open again. You thought you could get away from me a bit easier than that, didn't you? It's like, no, we are aware that you're going to be here for the whole film, and, and it traumatises us, frankly. 
when he closes it the first time, he's like, oh no, I'm afraid of the dark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, oh. Oh, I'm so yeah, glad just... that they added more comedy in the reshoots because this is gold. I, 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 I just, I, I, at that point, I was just like, why am I still here? <laughs> <laughs> why haven't I found something better to do, like painting the skirting boards downstairs? I don't know, <laughs> hoovering the floor, anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> So it, it, it's just so weird how, like, a, a month or two back, uh, Mark Harrison and I watched Holy Motors, and Holy Motors is the kind of movie that could just drop Kylie Minogue in for incongruousness' sake, because it's weird. But it does actually take some time to get you over that hump of, yes, it's Kylie, yeah. it's fine, yeah. this is a Kylie cameo. This just seems to think they can cut away to Mick Jagger at any point and you will be able to just stop thinking that's Mick Jagger and you can't. Also, how the hell did Anthony Hopkins get third name on the billing when there's only like 12 minutes of him in total? Just after Silence of the Lambs, wasn't it? He was, uh, he, he must have had an agent with a bit of muscle. I mean, he's, he's, he's like... Emilio Estevez, Mick Jagger, Anthony Hopkins. He is in it for less than David Johnson, which suits me <laughs> yes. fine because I love David Johnson. But yeah, it is weird. And the thing is, you just look at that and you go, "Yeah, um, badly green screened Anthony Hopkins. Maybe put that on there instead." <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, so, uh, th- this has a function, doesn't it? Where you can put backgrounds on, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, do you want to demonstrate the quality of the CGI in... I, 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 that's what. That's that's literally what I'm trying to find is... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, yes. So, this, this thing, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, then, is the quality of... <laughs> <laughs> the, the subtle compositing of it. If we're going, is... if we're going sci-fi, then yeah, look sci-fi stars. Sci-fi. <laughs> Way. This is one of the things that Free Jack successfully predicted, isn't it? That year when everyone is looking at the <laughs> novelty Zoom backgrounds on your calls. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's so yeah, bad. That's true. One uh, last note about Jagger's screen career. Obviously, he did a fair bit of stuff in the 70s, like performance and more regrettably Ned Kelly. But his 1980s screen career was defined mostly by things he didn't make. He apparently got some way into shooting a remake of Laughter in the Dark, um, Tony Richardson's. Adaptation of a not very good Vladimir Nabokov novel uh, before that collapsed on the basis of why why are we remaking a Tony Richardson version of a not very good Vladimir Nabokov novel? Uh, But the other near miss he had, which is incredible, was he was almost in one of the greatest films of the 1980s. Mick Jagger was almost in Fitzcarraldo. No. Yes. No. I'm serious. This is... No. Seriously. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you watch Burden of Dreams, the documentary Les Blanc made about uh, the making of Fitzcarraldo, there is... Uh, there are some clips from an earlier attempt Herzog made at making that film where most of the cast fell ill and it had to be abandoned. And the Klaus Kinski role was played by Jason Robards in that version. But there was a character who isn't in the finished version who was like Fitzcarraldo's helper, played by Mick Jagger. And when Herzog got the final thing made... He said he cut that role out of the script 
because no one other than Mick Jagger would be as good. Oh, um, um. I mean, he says he's not mad, but then he goes around and says stuff like that. See, I don't know how to take that. I don't know how, how to process that. Fitzgeraldo's helper and no one being better at the role than Mick Jagger. And my brain is desperately trying to kind of mash the two things together <laughs> and come up with a, with something. And it's not working, Graham. It's not can, working. Can, can you not imagine a version of Fitzcarraldo where there's a skinny guy running around going, Brian, the Indians are pushing the boat down the mountain. See, that's where my mind is rebelling. <laughs> I manifest destiny. This is not. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you imagine the search for the Northwest Passage, <laughs> starring Mick Jagger <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as the Indian girl? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the new world with Mick Jagger as Pocahontas. <laughs> uh. Mick so, Jagger uh, in a Terence Malick movie would be amazing because he could not take his voiceover down to the whisper. I'm just thinking about how many movies could be improved with the addition of Mick Jagger and how many movies would be destroyed with the addition of Mick Jagger. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the so, former is definitely a less populated list. See, I think I think that uh, I think that Mick Jagger Mick Jagger's like uh, Mick Jagger's like Pepper, right? He's like Pepper when it comes to movies. A little bit of Mick Jagger in a film can do wonders, you know. Yeah. But if you if you use too much Mick Jagger, like Free Jack did, yes, <laughs> then it, then it becomes really really distasteful and, and really bad on the tongue. You know? Do you think that this film could be better if Mick Jagger played the Anthony Hopkins role? Actually, that might have been in, that might have been interesting. If, I you think know what could play the kind of rich weirdo who wants to steal someone else's body. Isn't that the role he's been playing for like 50 years? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, won't go there. Uh, <laughs> there are stories. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think that I think that he might have been Better as the as like the big bad guy, and yeah. they could have had more of him in the film. Then, yeah, you know they could have had more of him in the film. Um, I don't know why, but for some reason, uh, in my brain, I've just got I've just got like Mick Jagger as a cameo in Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that works. <laughs> I don't know why, but it it, it kind of fits, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. The flamboyant British vampire. Yeah, I can imagine that. I'm sure he would have been on the the list of like about eight thousand different actors that Anne Rice wanted to play list at. Well, uh, I know in uh, it wasn't the second story about Lestat. Uh, what was it Queen of the Damned? Was it? Oh yeah, um, yeah. Isn't he supposed to be like a rock star in that? Yes, yes, I'd forgotten that. And then they did the film version of it, and everyone went. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And it was like that that was released like shortly after Aaliyah died. So you can't mm. even have fun dunking on it because you're just so depressed watching it. Yeah. Um, but back to Free Jack. And back to Free Jack. Yeah. What I want to know is how the hell did everyone know he's a Free Jack when he just comes knocking on the door? <laughs> yeah. Because the Free Jack listeners, if you haven't watched the movie, it's like, it's, what, actually, yeah, what the hell is it? <laughs> it's someone well, whose body's been stolen, but they haven't gone through with the operation, I guess, and they're just sort of running around loose. Is that is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, free and easy. <laughs> yeah. Just... I mean, I'm just, my brain's gone back to bone jacking and taking the modern take on it, and now Free Jack has... Totally different connotation in my head. Yeah, the Louis <laughs> C.K. went down for less. <laughs> Amelia Estevez has gone commando. 
<laughs> I can picture that as like an 80s movie tagline. Uh, I mean, uh, it might have been a line from his brother's film, Hot Shots. You don't of... know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Charlie Sheen is going Commando works just as well. Yes. Oh, man. So, yeah. uh, Oh, uh, Amelia Estevez did Loaded Weapon, didn't he? Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. What a strange thing that was when people go, we need need someone who's kind of like Leslie Nielsen, but younger. Uh, Probably... Like Martin Sheen's kids, I think they'd be good. Really? Do you know what it probably is? It's probably Men at, uh, Men at Work. They probably Maybe. watched Men at Work and thought, "Do you know these two have some have some interesting comedy timing? Let's get them to do more comedy films." Thinking, "Oh yeah, we can get them to do comedy films separate of each other." Instead of thinking. You know, maybe we should do more films with the two of them in the same film. Yes, yeah. Because it worked in Young Guns. You know, Young Guns 2 was okay. Men at Work was good. So why not have the two of them do a comedy film together like like they did with Men at Work? It might have been interesting to see. I wouldn't advise doing it now. But back (laughs) then, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, do, do do you have any more reminiscences about Free Jack before we uh, go to the lobotomizer? Um. Yeah. Lasers. Lasers. I mean, uh, I can't say lasers without without uh, a little kind of uh, a little little old Nazi esque lady in my head going uh, going on the lasers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were getting a a little bit of Doctor Evil in there as well. Yeah, that's one too many Austin Powers movies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, I mean, just... You think with it being a futuristic sci-fi movie, right? Mm. There'd be more futuristic weaponry? Yes. I mean, okay, maybe it's only 20 years in the future, but maybe make the guns look a bit more, I don't know, futuristic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I just paint some cardboard and smack, them all, uh, smack it over an M16 if you want. So, you know, it looks boxier. It might still fire bullets, but it looks the part. Yes, yeah. And just the distinct lack of lasers outside of the light show when he gets to the future, when they kidnap him and they have that grid-like laser, you know, the red thing yeah, that, that appears. Uh, and then just the whole thing with the crystal, the dark crystal. No, that's a different film. <laughs> <That's>, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Jim Henson could have really saved this movie, though. <laughs> It needed an ogre. That's it. no, it had one. It was Mick Jagger. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if we're likening this to Dark Crystal, that means Mick Jagger was ogre, um, Emilio Estevez was the Gelfling, and Nanny Hopkins was the Skeksis. <laughs> See, I'm thinking of it in Muppet terms, where it's like if you make a movie into a Muppet movie, there must be one person who isn't a Muppet. And I genuinely like the idea of Emilio Estevez being the only non Muppet. <laughs> like, even in the present day scenes, he's asking his girlfriend to nibble him on the ear. It's Janice from Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. <laughs> See, that's, I love that, but the nibble my ear thing, I just like... <laughs> yeah, so weird. With the, with the early 90s that boring that that counted as a sort of exciting kink that a guy who lives on the edge might have? Well, uh, I mean, I have to... I, 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 saw one, uh, I saw one review of Free Jack on YouTube recently, mm. and uh, I think it was uh, from uh, Job Law films or whatever it was and uh he made a reference to the notorious mike tyson evander holyfield (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes. And uh, I was like, that's that that's beautiful. Because <laughs> that was around that time as well, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what killed this film's box office, that people just weren't ready for an Ian nibbling hero so soon not the after and, that. Uh, I, I mean, nibbling his ear for luck, I mean, uh, that's... Nah. I mean, no. That's like asking someone to bite your toenails for luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a thankless role, but uh, Rene Russo did meet her husband on the set of this movie, so, you know, did well for her. <laughs> we take what we can get. <laughs> and that husband was a CGI Anthony Hopkins. No, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you never know. There are some women out there who would be happy with the CGI Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't presume about anyone. This CGI yeah. Anthony Hopkins, though. Maybe not this one. Nah. And maybe not the one from Sounds of the Lambs either. No, no. <laughs> maybe not those Anthony Hopkins, but you know the one from Remains of the Day. He, he'll he'll be all right. I reckon. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go for that. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that about wraps it up, really, for free, Jack. Never again, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> you know Never what? again. When I pitched you the idea for this podcast, you were so excited about doing free, Jack. I, 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 I that's that's because my memory betrayed me, and then I started watching <laughs> Free Jack again, and then I remembered Free Jack after I started watching it again, and I thought, oh no, what? Am I? <laughs> you know when you know when the penny drops. You just have that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach and you just think, yes. I volunteered for this. <laughs> the tragedy of Free Jack is that you can never jack again. <laughs> but yes, if you've enjoyed I'm what sorry. you're leaving, and let's face it, why wouldn't you? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a Backrack and David song that I, <laughs> that I can't get out of my head now. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done to my memories of Deacon Blue? <laughs> Listeners, if you've enjoyed this, you can get a monthly bonus episode by donating to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash The Geek Show, as well as several other uh, goodies, including Director's Lottery and with other film podcast, which is Patreon only. Uh, but until then, I've been Graham. And I've been Rob. And we'll see you next week. Without Free Jack. <laughs>